This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. I suppose it was the only logical conclusion to be drawn from the story that's been going viral all weekend, the only thing anybody's talking about right now. All signs point to Francis replacing Bishop Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Would Bishop Strickland get reassigned to a new diocese, or would he simply be left in Episcopal limbo? Most likely, he'd simply be left without a job, a bishop without a flock to care for. He wouldn't be the first to experience Francis's mercy this way. In Puerto Rico, Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres was sacked by Rome in 2022 for the high crime of rejecting the mandated solution to the planet-wide problem in 2020 and not sending his priest to modernist dioceses. And he is still without a diocese or a formal post in Rome or anything. They simply wanted him to go away. Now we have indications that something similar is likely to befall Bishop Strickland. The official reason for his apostolic visitation is to address administrative issues. But as we'll go over in a moment, reports are that the two bishops who are acting on behalf of Francis were openly talking about replacing him in front of Strickland's employees, which is a rather heavy-handed way of fixing a few relatively minor administrative issues like the official story is. Let's be clear about something here. I am going to place the blame for this on Francis because while there is a dicastery for bishops in Rome, it's obvious that these kinds of intimidation tactics are being done on behalf of Francis and on his order of things. That's why they're called an apostolic visitation. Only he can give the order for this. The present head of the dicastery of bishops is Cardinal Mark Ouellet, although he is likely stepping down in the near future due to his age. But the only one who can sack a bishop is the Pope, or the man the world thinks is Pope, at any rate. A dicastery can't make that decision without a mandate from the Pope. And yes, it looks like Bishop Strickland's fate has been determined before this visitation even began. Our story about this comes from a Catholic World Report. Headline. Reports. Vatican-ordered investigation targets Bishop Strickland in Tyler, Texas. So in the recent past, apostolic visitations have been used against seminaries that teach priests to be too rigid, religious orders that are too tied to traditional Catholicism, and their own particular historic charisms instead of being active in the world. We saw a visitation of a seminary for, uh, that was a Novus Ordo seminary that was being too rigid, to give you an idea. And now we see one being used to, at the very least, get a bishop who refuses to adopt the new religion and get him back in line. Though the reports in mainstream Catholic media are that Francis is not interested in getting him back in line. He wants him gone and has already made that decision. From the article, quote, News of the Vatican investigation began to circulate among Catholic outlets on Saturday, citing unnamed sources familiar with the matter. Bishop Gerald Kikanis, emeritus of Tucson, and Bishop Dennis Sullivan of Camden, New Jersey, reportedly led the visitation, according to media reports. The pillar quoted an unnamed priest of the Tyler Diocese, who said the interviewer's questions focused on Strickland's administrative leadership in the diocese, rather than on his social media activities. While one source described as someone close to Strickland told the pillar that the Tyler bishop, quote, doesn't want to make too big of a deal of the visitation, a priest related that interviewers, quote, were already asking questions about who might be a good fit to replace Strickland, end quote. They were asking his staff this, folks. Think about that. Now, it's worth noting here what an apostolic visitation is. The Vatican's website defines an apostolic visitation in this way, quote, 
Apostolic Visitation, an exceptional initiative of the Holy See which involves sending a visitor or visitors to evaluate an ecclesiastical institute, such as a seminary, diocese, or religious institute. Apostolic visitations are intended to assist the institute in question to improve the way in which it carries out its function in the life of the church. End quote. On paper, that should be fine, though it always means that there's some kind of problem to be addressed. You wouldn't want, you know, someone from corporate visiting your work office, probably, because it's the same kind of thing. Now, remember that the next time an apostolic visitation makes news, though, they're never for good things. But it's always done to address an alleged problem in the church. Now, the Pillar's previous reporting on this stated that the visiting bishops conducting the witch hunt, because that's what this is, were, do for, were doing it for Francis. And they were doing it because Strickland had an unusually high turnover rate of financial officers in his diocese. That's not exactly an uncommon problem in the church, especially in America, and anyone taking that excuse at face value hasn't been paying attention. The visitators are identified by the pillar as Bishop Gerald Kikanis, Emeritus of Tucson, and Bishop Dennis Sullivan of Camden. Both of these bishops are what we would call company men, in the Synodal Church of the New Advent, where Pastor James Martin has free reign to teach heresy. Bishop Kikanis was publicly outed as having quietly swept under the rug We'll call them Ted McCarrick-type crimes committed by wicked men who shouldn't have ever been priests. For aiding in the harming of the most vulnerable, he was given a promotion at Francis's attack dog for this. Bishop Dennis Sullivan of Camden has been accused by parents' groups of helping hide similar problems before Pope Benedict named him as Bishop of Camden, and B Benedict was severely criticized for this when he named him as Bishop in January 2013. Like I said, these are company men. Remember, Francis has talked a good game about the Ted McCarrick problem in the church, but when it came time for him to act in a meaningful way against that problem, he issued a report blaming John Paul II and Archbishop Vigano for the rash of problems before then publicly congratulating James Martin for his work that would enable these wicked deeds to continue in the church. And yes, the James Martin's sin, that sin that James Martin is very strangely focused on to the point where it's unbecoming of a priest, is directly related to this problem. It lies at the center of this problem, as any rational person would tell you when looking at the history of it and the evidence. But these are the men who have been chosen to lecture Bishop Strickland on his administrative capabilities as a bishop, and who openly talk about replacing him in Tyler, Texas. Kevin Wells, who is a pretty well-known Catholic speaker who resides in Bishop Strickland's diocese and was asked to move from halfway across the country to work for him in evangelization efforts, recently posted this on his Facebook page. This really sums up the issue here. Quote, I've said for about a year now in presentations that a move would be made by Rome in 2023 to remove, remove Bishop Strickland. His apostolic visit should be no surprise to anyone with even a mild understanding of today's collapsing church. Bishop Strickland is called divisive by numberless thousands of Catholics who believe his candor to be off the mark, judgmental, harsh, and evil. He did not want to travel to Los Angeles to lead a procession against the the Dodger, but the Dodgers allowed. But he felt called, and when no other bishop would go, he went. He is the loneliest bishop in America. There is no number two. He is not divisive. More accurately, he is polarizing. He is the most polarizing bishop in America, and all faithful Catholics should fall to their knees and thank God that he is. Why? Because there are North and South Poles today. Martyrs and prophets live in the cold north, where Bishop Strickland resides. In their loneliness, they were always warmed by demands of the furnace of the gospel, 
which they proclaimed without fear. In the South, where demons roam, the lies of the world are proposed. I imagine Bishop Strickland's sadness is that so few bishops have made a home with him up north. These bishops' fear and complicity with the world is an enormous reason why the king of the South has so effortlessly spread his evil over the world. In 2019, Bishop Joseph Strickland shared with me that Mary was calling him to die, to be a poured chalice of our Lord's most precious blood in this wintertime in the church and society. In our sense, Our Lady was calling him up north. As his patron saint is St. Nathaniel, he was being called to be stripped alive, to give voice to the poisonous gas of ideologies and sin that other bishops do not touch. He is John the Baptist when he speaks of the heresy of Father James Martin and the evil of the president. Although he is mostly alone up north, I imagine he's the bishop with the most peace, the one who sleeps best at night. He's accepted the burden of his identity as the slaughtered lamb, who must proclaim indelicate truths. His life is on the third rail. He addresses the expanding red tide of sin, not because of hate, but because of love. He loves James Martin and the president and wants truth to prevail in their hearts. Repent, he proclaims. This bishop does not think about maintaining his life anymore. I imagine at this point he considers just gloriously losing it because Mary has asked him to. End quote. And that, folks, is the correct attitude and way to describe what is happening and it should give us all pause. And I'm going to compare it to this. Very online Catholics, many of whom I really do like, have had some rather odd takes on this that I think people should dial back on. I've seen some talk online about how great it would be for the movement, whatever that actually is at this point, for Bishop Strickland to get sacked, how it would make normal conservative Novus Ordo attending Catholics wake up. Personally, I'm disgusted by talk like this that reduces everything to politics. We are talking about one of the very few good bishops about to be sent off into the outer darkness. Certainly, if Bishop Strickland is canned by Rome, I hope that he connects with the Coalition for Cancel Priests or the SSPX or some other organization who might be able to help him and could use his help. But beyond that, speculating on the ecclesiastical politics of this is gross and inappropriate. If you have such inclinations, please, you should take to so before you take to social media to talk about how great this might be for the movement, whatever that is, make sure you've prayed for Bishop Strickland and his perseverance in this, and for the conversion of Francis, because those things are far more important than scoring some political points in an internal church battle. Losing a good bishop because the church is run by heretics and men who have such little faith that they'd want to just sweep monstrous crimes by wicked men against the most vulnerable under the rug, for ideological reasons, is never a good thing. And I wouldn't assume that many people will wake up because... What afflicts the church almost more than anything else, what drives the crisis in the church and has for 60 plus years, are otherwise good faithful Catholics completely misunderstanding the point of authority in the church and its limits. Authority in the church is for one purpose, to protect, preserve, and promote the faith. Anyone who works against that simply doesn't have authority in the church. They may have an office and the illusion of authority, but once your actions as a prelate, pope, or priests work against the gospel, then you've lost all real authority. Should be common sense. Most people don't understand that and think that whatever Francis says goes. Even if Francis were publicly to say tomorrow that the resurrection of our Lord was symbolic and not real, many would keep following him, saying, well, he has the power to bind and loose. Even if it came out tomorrow, Francis said that Adam and Eve were never real, but merely symbolic. People would follow him. 
Even if he said the Eucharist was a symbol and not truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our blessed Lord, many would follow him, simply because of a misplaced notion of authority. Under normal circumstances, this wouldn't be an issue. We wouldn't be talking about this, but the church hasn't had a situation that could be called normal circumstances for at least 65 years, if not longer. Despite all of this, Bishop Strickland has responded peacefully to this, though. See, on Sunday, Bishop Strickland said the following on Twitter, and I thought I'd bring this to your attention as a good way to close this out. Quote, To be persecuted for speaking truth is an honor every Christian should be willing to embrace. It is walking with Jesus Christ, who is truth incarnate. If we know Jesus, it is easier to speak his truth no matter what forces oppose us. The opposition is temporary. Jesus is forever. End quote. Whatever the outcome is, Bishop Strickland has already accepted it as being permitted by God. Instead of engaging in armchair generaling about how this might benefit us in the battle for Catholic orthodoxy, instead of that, pray for Bishop Strickland and for the bishops involved in this, including Francis. That's the best course of action right now. Yes, if they really are already planning to replace him with some yes-men, and I have no reason to doubt that Catholic World Report and the Pillar are wrong on this, but if they're already planning to replace him with some yes-man or some activist for the James Martin life, like most of us suspect, then that's a tragedy and something that ought to be fought when it happens. But for now, offer your rosary for Bishop Strickland. So I'm going to close this by asking, what do you think about this? How long do you think before they replace him? Or do you think that's just nonsense and that the Pillar got that wrong? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help as does sharing this on social media. That helps too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.